This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Thanks bro. Hey guys, how are we going? Good. Thanks for the love, the shout outs, I heard the woos from backstage. Feeling good, right? Um, like James said, my name's James as well and this we have three Jameses, the other one's going, it's part of the grand plan of just kind of whittling down the Jameses, so we're sending one off to plant a church, and now there's two left, so we're getting there. But like James said, I oversee the kind of Connect Ministry at Anchor, so if you're new, I'd love to meet you, please come say hello to me after the gathering. Um, but it's a joy, the Connect team is one of the best teams in our church, they go hard, and we're also understaffed at the moment, so if you feel the need to jump on the board with the Connect team, please come see me. Um, what a start to 2022. Uh, James mentioned earlier in the gathering the rise of cases. Hopefully some of you guys got time to get away with family, which is really good. I was a bit jealous. I was stuck at home. We're kind of self-isolating because my sister's wedding's next week and I'm, I'm marrying them um, and I'm also preaching the wedding. So I'm kind of hiding in our little two-bedroom or one-bedroom apartment, just staying away from COVID. But, but James, I have a real great expectation for this year, particularly for our church. Like, it's, it's been a year of change last year, lockdown, um, but I really believe that God's got something great in store for us, and we're invited to be a part of it. What a joy that is. Um, but today we are looking at, well, the, the title for today's sermon is Stumbling Towards Christ-likeness, and we're going to be looking at what it means for us to be living out the goal of our lives, which is to become more and more like Jesus. But before I do that, I'm going to pray, and then we'll see what God has for us today. So if you want to bow your heads, we'll pray. Father, I pray that today you use my weak and feeble words to shine a light on your word. Father, I pray that you give us ears to hear um, and hearts to be changed. Father, we know that your word is like a two-edged sword and that it divides to the bone and the marrow. And Father, we pray that today we, we leave different people, that you remind maybe truths that we've heard before, and maybe for some of us, Father, um, for the first time. But Father, I pray that you, you make me less so I can make you more. And give us a, a real joy in the sense that we get to become more and more like your son. And I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Um, a few years ago, uh, just after Bree and I got married, so Bree's my wife, my parents, part of the wedding present to us was they shouted us a trip to Bali. And it wasn't like... The, the touristy part of Bali where every second person's Australian. Uh, it was a kind of nice part of Bali, tucked away. Um, so don't, don't judge me if we're going to Bali. But it was, it was beautiful. I went to a place called the Mulia. It's phenomenal. Um, it was just a time of sitting by the pool, having gin and tonics, swimming, plenty of Mai Tais. That's where I found out that I like Mai Tais. It was so good. Um, and it was also the time that I realised that a gift from God is buffet breakfasts. Like, oh, like, I, I went from, I'm not really a breakfast type of person, like I might have like an up and go or something or a banana or just not eat at all and wait until lunch, um, but when there's buffet breakfast, oh, I, like I'm in heaven. Um, but something weird happens to me on holidays as well. On holidays, I go from, like I, I'm a night owl, I go to bed between midnight and 2am, right, which some of you might be like, that's weird, that's just how my body clock works, I wake up at 730 
But when I go on holidays, it's like I'm in bed at nine, I'm up at five. I know what it is, it just happens. Um, and when we were in Bali, it, something that I liked to do was, was walk along the beach in the early morning, just watch the sunrise, just taking a new day. And something that I realised um, as walking was I saw little kind of glass things on the ground. It wasn't sand, it wasn't a rock. I looked it up and it turns out something called sea glass. There should be a picture up on the screen of what sea glass looks like. Um, you might have seen it around Sydney beaches, that, that's it. Um, it's like these kind of little pebbles that are actually plates or, or glass that over time, about the span of 50 to 100 years, uh, after it sadly falls into the ocean, it gets refined. And, and the rough edges that it has get smoothed out. And over time, through just the, the sea and through the sand doing its work, it comes out smooth and refined. And in many ways, this is a, a kind of good picture of what God is doing in the Christian life. He's refining us, he's shaping us. Whether it's through people, through the kind of the, 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 the calm seas of life and through the stormy seas of life. He's, he's shaping us, he's changing us, and he's forming us to be more and more like Jesus. And the, the fancy kind of theological word for this is the word sanctification. Feel free to say it to yourself, it's a fun word to say, sanctification, it's a nerdy word. And within sanctification, there's actually kind of two things happening. So you have something called positional sanctification. Just bear with me, I know this is nerdy. And then you have something called progressive sanctification. So positional sanctification is the one-off, when we put our trust in Jesus, we are sanctified. Like we are justified, we may have right with him. That when God looks at us, he doesn't see us for who we are, but he sees us as people who are in his son. And then there's something called progressive sanctification. And this is the kind of more active that throughout our life, over the span of our life, the Holy Spirit's forming us to be more and more like Jesus. It's what Eugene Peterson, and I love how he said this, he calls it the long obedience in the same direction. That's what the Christian life is. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's a process of, of growing our holiness and becoming more and more like Jesus until he either comes back until we're called home. And this is, the, this is the primary goal of our life. It's not to get on the senior property market. It's not to find the ideal partner. It's not to make the most money. Like those things that aren't bad, but that's not the primary goal of our life. The primary goal of our life as followers of Jesus is to become more and more like him. It's to grow in our holiness. It's to, it's to do what he did. It's to be like him. And the Spirit is doing that, like the sea glass, it's forming us to be more and more over the span of our life. Like we live in a culture of instant gratification, like we want something done now. Like we're always looking for the quick fix. Um, that's, that's what kind of self-help or self-improvement books do. I love a good self-improvement book, Atomic Habits, phenomenal book. We're trying to look, how do we maximise our time? How do we kind of maximise, how do we get to, from point A to, to point Z as quickly as possible? But the way of Jesus has something better to offer. It's not about us striving, but it's about what God's doing in and through us. And that's what we're looking at today. Like James said, we're looking at Hebrews 12, and it's kind of going to be like a launch pad for what we're looking at. We're not going to be spending the whole time there. Um, but we're going to look at two things. One is, what is the goal of our life? And the second thing is, how does the Spirit get us there? Simple, hopefully super practical. Sound good? People on board? We're awake? Yep. 
holiday mode still. I, I forgot it was Sunday today. I don't know what day it is, so I feel you. It's all good. Let's get stuck into it. So there's a bit of context around that Hebrews passage. Uh, they don't know who wrote Hebrews, um, so I'm just going to call him the author. But um, the author wrote to a sermon, that's what Hebrews is, to, to Jewish Christians in the first century who were, for various reasons, throwing in the towel. Whether it was because of, of social pressure, or the cultural pressure around them for, for being different. The Roman culture was very hostile to Christians at the time. Whether it was to losing friends because of, of their faith. Losing jobs. And there they are, they're thinking, like, is, is it worth it? And here the, the author of Hebrews writes to them and says, yes it is. And in the, in the passage before, uh, in Hebrews 11, it's one of my favourite passages, it's beautiful. Um, it's just a roll call of faith. And it's just name after name of people who faithfully followed Jesus. People who, who conquered armies and people who were conquered by armies. But the highlight is, in that, passage, like that chapter is, they, finished the, like they made it to the finish line, faithfully following Jesus. And it says this in, in chapter 12, verse 1. I'll read it out again. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings, clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the, the, the author is using this kind of ancient Olympian imagery, right? Um, like he's, he's kind of using that to paint the honest picture of the Christian life. He's saying the Christian life isn't a, it's not a, an easy walk. It's not a light jog. It's a, it's a run. And he goes on to mention this kind of, this kind of great, great cloud of witnesses. And the author is saying that um, as we seek to, to practice the way of Jesus, as we seek to live a life in obedience to him, as we seek to grow in our holiness and grow to be more like him, we have this crowd of witnesses cheering us on. And the crowd is, in the passage you mentioned earlier, it's guys like Noah, who endured so much hardship but faithfully built the ark. We have people like Enoch, who, who loved God intimately and walked with him. We have Sarah, who couldn't conceive, but yet she trusted in God and the promises that she had for him. And she was given the power to conceive. We've got Moses, who, this one blows my mind, that Moses who was Pharaoh's grandson, which being Pharaoh's grandson in the ancient Near East in that time, you essentially related to what they viewed as God. You had access to whatever you wanted, all the sexual experiences you wanted, all the money you wanted, all the material things you wanted, all the power that you wanted. But it says in Hebrews 11 that he considered the reproach of Christ of greater worth than all the treasures of Egypt. We've seen in the previous chapter that there's, there's just brothers and sisters. They're not named, but it says there's brothers and sisters who are sworn in two and persecuted for the gospel. And these are the people that surround us, that are cheering us on. And the thing is, they're, they're not there to watch us, but they're there to be seen by us. They're there to show us that it's possible. They're there so that we can read, when times are tough, we can read passages like Hebrews 11. That yes, it is possible. That when you feel like you can't finish, that when you feel like you just can't push the pain, past, past the pain, but then you realise there's a kind of spiritual stadium filled with believers who've done it before, who've made it across the finish line, and they're showing us that it's possible. 
as we feel the, the kind of cultural pressures of, of 2022, it's possible. And like an Olympic runner, we're to get rid of the things that trip us up. Uh, Olympic runners back in the day, thank God they don't do it now, but most of the time, particularly in the early ancient history, like they ran nude, right? They, they took off everything that could hinder them. There were nothing to hold them back. Um, and that's what this passage is talking about now, the second half of verse 1. It says, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising shame and a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Like, we'll look at this a bit later, but he's saying to us, as we, as we run the race, we've got to throw off the, the, the sin that entangles us, the sin that holds us back, the things that hinder our relationship and our pursuit of practicing the way of Jesus and becoming more like Jesus. We're to pursue holiness. Or as God would say in Leviticus 11.44, he says, Be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. Like this is a phrase that's just echoed throughout the scriptures, be holy, for I am holy. And this, is, this is the goal of our life. This is what we're, we're, we're striving to do it in every day as we make little, uh, little decisions and the long obedience in the same direction. It's, it's to be holy, to live lives that are pleasing to God. I don't know about you, but when I read that passage, I get a little bit anxious, Right? Like, that's a high call. Be holy as God's holy. Like, I don't know if you know how holy God is. All you have to do is flick to the chapters like Isaiah 6, where Isaiah is literally standing before the throne of God. And he's just looking at the robe of God. And he just, he can't, like, he's hiding his face and he's trembling because even the robe of God is so holy that if he looks at it, he's, he's scared he'll die. Like, that's how holy God is. That's how perfect God is. But that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. He's, he's shaping us. He's refining us. Like the sea glass on the beach, he's purifying us and smoothing out the rough edges and shaping us to be more and more like Jesus. That's a lifelong thing. It starts when the Holy Spirit gives us new life and we start to follow Jesus and it won't be fully completed until we stand before the throne of God. It won't be fully completed until we reach the new creation. We won't be completely free from sin until we reach the finish line. But the thing is, more often than not, as followers of Jesus, we can use that as an excuse. We can use it as an excuse to throw on the towel. Think about it this way. I don't know if you've ever climbed a mountain before. Um, back in the day, that's what my friends did. I grew up in the Southern Strait, right near the National Park or the South Coast. And for fun, I don't know why they wanted to go on bushwalks. Um, and one time we went, we went to Pigeon House Mountain, which is down the coast, and I was just like, I just want to get up there as fast as I can. So for the first, like, I don't know, 30% of the, the hike, I just sprinted it. I don't know what I was thinking. Just sprinted it. And by the time I got halfway out, I was just cooked. I was done. I was looking down the edge of the, the mountain being like, is this high enough? Is this good enough for the gram? Like, can I come down now? Um, but my friends, I don't know, I have too much pride. So I pretended I was okay and I pushed up to the top. Um, but that's what the Christian life can be like. It's like we're hiking a spiritual mountain. The, the peak is growing in our holiness and being sanctified. And when we become a Christian, sometimes, for some of us, the story might be, 
Like we, we just feel like there's so much growth. Sins that you struggled with might not be an issue for you. You quickly realize that dropping the F-bomb in church doesn't fly, so you stop doing that. Or things that entangled you, they're pretty, quickly to, you're pretty quick to throw them off. But then we kind of get to the point where we just look over the edge and just think, yeah, this is pretty high enough. And we just get complacent. We struggle to let go of past sins and we think, oh, it's just too hard. And in those moments that we stop doing whatever it takes to pursue holiness, and we stop doing what Jesus told us to do on the Sermon on the Mount, which is have a thirst and hunger for righteousness. And we lose that desperate thirst for holiness and just to have satisfaction in Jesus. And we just kind of reach that plateau in the Christian life and we just get comfortable. We need to remember that the Holy Spirit is growing us and shaping us to be more like Jesus. And it isn't a passive event. It's not like we just kind of get on the, the spiritual chairlift and he takes us to the peak of the mountain. Yes, we're sanctified, we're justified, and we're made right with God. But to, to grow to be more like Jesus in everyday life, it's not passive. Like there's an element where we passively trust in God to sanctify us by his spirit, but the, the important part of, of progressive sanctification is active. It's, it's stepping into it. It's a, it's a long obedience in the same direction, and it's a hard endeavor. It's hard. And you might be sitting there thinking, like, but how does the Holy Spirit grow us? Like, what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to shape us and change us to be more like Jesus? Like, what does it look like for me in 2022 to be wanting to grow in my holiness, in my sanctification? And I'm so glad you asked that because that's the next point of my sermon. Um, that's what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the time. It's just the practical ways that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. And there's many ways, too many ways for one sermon, but the first way is we press in. We press in. Uh, Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, Do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. So Paul is telling us here, it's here don't be like the world around you that doesn't know Jesus. Like I, we're, we've been justified, we've been sanctified, we've been set apart. We're called to be different. We've been given a new identity. And he's telling them, don't, don't conform, but be transformed. Don't, don't conform to the world around you, but be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And it's important to know that the, the word that Paul's using here for transformation is the same word, uh, word that the gospel is used for transfiguration. So the transformation that Paul is talking about isn't just this kind of outward moralistic transformation that happens, but it's an inward mindset. It's the renewing of our mind. It isn't simply just a mindset change, but it's a mindset transformation. Think about it this way. It's like moving houses. I moved out of home when I was 21, gave my parents a week notice. My friends <laughs> found a place, and I just decided to move out of home, so I did. Um, we are planting a church about 15 minutes away from where I live, so I wanted to live closer to the church. And so I moved out, and I remember one time I was visiting my old church. I went to go see some friends, and I was driving home one day, Instead of taking a right at Sutherland's, I went straight through. And I ended up at my parents' house. I remember sitting there in the car, outside my parents' house, being like, what? I was like, what am I doing here? I'm not meant to be, this is my home anymore. So I just drove off, drove back to where I lived in Cronulla. And that's, that's a lot like um, what the Holy Spirit does in us with renewing our minds. It's reminding us, hey, you don't live here anymore. 
Like this, this isn't your home. For me, like moving houses changed how I got to places, how I got to friends' houses, how I got back from the city, how I got back from uh, Bible college or uni. I had to actually think, how do I get to where I'm going? Or get Google Maps out. Um, you can't do that with sanctification. But yeah, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. It's renewing our minds, and that's the idea of the, it's change, the Holy Spirit's changing how we think about things. It's the Holy Spirit saying to us and reminding us, you don't live here anymore. This isn't your home. That's not your home. This is your home. You don't go that way anymore. You go this way. You don't turn here and make that decision. You make this decision. Or in the words of Colossians, it's, it's setting our minds not on things of the earth, but on heavenly things. It's not conforming to the pattern of this world, but it's, it's remembering that this world is not our home. Like we're, we're foreigners and exiles just, just passing through. It's, it's pressing to our new identity in Jesus. That's the renewing of our mind. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing in us. One of the primary ways that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us and, and renews our mind and makes us more like Jesus is by pressing into his word. And that's why the Bible is it's just so important for us as followers of Jesus. It, it reminds us where our home is. It's like a GPS in a car. Like it reminds us, hey, this is the way home. Like we don't take a left here anymore. No, you take a right here. It reminds us what's true and right and pleasing to God. The Word reminds us of the, the foundation that we're to have. It reminds us of the, the knowledge of how much God loves us. Like it says in Luke 10, that our names are written in heaven. That the foundation that we are to do all things is from the knowledge that God loves us. That when we're in Jesus, that when God sees us, it's like he sees a beauty. That when God looks at you, he, he finds you more precious than all the jewels that are under the earth. You are so loved and so precious to God. Like we see in the Psalms, that God loves us so much. He loves us so much from far as the east is from the west, which is just another way of saying, just limit, it just keeps going. God's love for you just keeps going and going and going and going. And it's living our lives out of the knowledge that we are so deeply loved by God regardless of performance. It's, it's knowing that becoming more like Jesus, it's not about moralism. But it flows out of the place of knowing that we are loved by him. Which is the place of security for us. And which is why that we can kind of deal with the next part, which is um, the Spirit uses us pressing to the word to reveal to us our sin. I think about it this way, it's, it's like going on a date, like a candlelight date. Uh, I don't know how often you do that, maybe not as much with COVID, but back in the day, people used to go on candlelight dates, and everyone looks better in candlelight, right? The blemishes are hidden, the rogue kind of oily hair, you can't see it as much, um, you can't see any imperfections, and the shadow just shows the kind of best you there is. But imagine you go on a date, and afterwards you go to 7-Eleven, like you're just looking for that cheeky romantic snack, Krispy Kreme, I don't know what it is for you. And you go to 7-Eleven and it's just a bam, like the fluoro light just in your face. You, you kind of see the rogue hair, you see the oils, you see the blemishes. You see that kind of hair on your upper lip that you missed when you were shaving. Um, and it, it kind of shows you the, kind of how you actually look in that moment. 
And that's, that's, in many ways, it's kind of what the Spirit's doing through us pushing into the Word. Like when we, when we look at the Word, like we see who Jesus is calling us to be. When we look at the Word, we, we are reminded of our brokenness. And yet at the same time, we are reminded of the grace that God has for us. He reminds us of our identity in Jesus. He reminds us of how we're to live. He reminds us of the way home. And that's why the word is so important. Uh, it's important to gather throughout the week. It's, like it's so important to gather on Sundays and so important to gather at GC and in triplets or meet up with friends around the Bible. But to really grow, to be more and more like Jesus, to really have your affection stir for Jesus, to, to grow in your love for him, like personal Bible reading is just so important. Just stealing those moments throughout the day or the week just to spend time with God. Just you and the Bible. Like it doesn't have to be this kind of... Like I think in Christian culture, we kind of over-glorify like the early morning Bible times where people like wake up, say maybe me on holidays, but people wake up at 5 a.m. and just kind of pray for an hour or read the Bible, like have this like really nice coffee and it's just really Instagrammable and that type of thing. But the reality is... It's not really the Christian life. Definitely not if you're a parent or you are a shift worker. But it, maybe it's just for you, it's just stealing 10 minutes on the train. Maybe it's on the drive. You listen to the audio Bible. Or when you're playing with the kids, you just turn up real loud and drown out the kids and just listen to the Bible. Five minutes, 10 minutes. Maybe it's picking up New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. Great book, little short devotionals um, that direct you to a Bible passage, just for you to reflect on maybe throughout the week. Or maybe it's jumping on the, a Bible plan. We have like five Bible plans online. There's hundreds of Bible plans on New Version, thousands. Maybe it's just finding a Bible plan that, that works for whatever season you're in. And it's not, like the goal isn't to be smashing it all the time. That'd be great, but it's not the reality. Maybe just stealing some time throughout the day, throughout the week, just you and God, just to reflect on his word, just to explore um, what he has for us, what the Spirit's doing in our lives. And it's hard. Like it's a struggle. Maybe I'm alone. It is for me at least. And there'll be seasons where it's, it's great, you're getting heaps out of it, you just feel like you're, you're learning so much and the Spirit's just really prompting you and pressing things on your heart. And there'll be times where it just feels dry. It just feels like a drag. And it's not about feeling guilty. It's just about trying to steal those moments to spend time in the Word of God with your Father who loves you. Just to drink from it. Another way that the Holy Spirit changes us to be more like Jesus is, is through community. It's through the church community, through our anchor church family. Sanctification, and I love this, sanctification, it's, it's a community project. It's not a lonesome endeavour. It's a whole church community getting around. Whether it's through someone sharing something encouraging with you that they've heard that week, whether in their quiet times or in a sermon or whatever it is the Holy Spirit's impressing on them, or maybe it's someone just coming up to you, just saying an encouraging word, prophetic word. Maybe it's someone just giving you a little correction who loves you and knows you. Maybe it's just... In GC that week, someone just says something and it just really resonates with you. The Spirit just really uses that. The Bible describes this as iron sharpening iron. 
like it, it's tough. There's, there's a bit of friction. It takes a bit of work. But God uses us, Anchor Church, His people, as His community, to smooth out the rough edges of each other, to point each other to Jesus, to remind each other what it means to practice the way of Jesus what it means to be more and more like Jesus and encourage each other along the journey. So we have, we have press into, we're to press into the renewing of our mind, we're to kind of press into the word and we're to, to press into community. And the last one really quickly is, is throwing off. And we saw this in Hebrews 12 when it said this, it said, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And my question to you is, what is it for you? Like, what are the sins in your life that are weighing you down? What are the things in your life that you are, they're just hindering your pursuit of Jesus? They're just hindering your pursuit of wanting to become more and more like Him. Like, what are the areas of sin in your life in 2022 that you just want to throw off? Is it, is it pride? Is it, is it jealousy? Maybe it's, maybe it's lust or drunkenness, addiction. Maybe it's, it's how you speak the words you say. They're not building people up or they're tearing people down. Maybe it's, it's a tone that you use. Maybe it's, it's control. We might feel this with COVID. Like we, just, we just feel that things are out of control and we're just doing whatever we, uh, whatever we can to, to kind of grasp into that control. And we think that we're our own sovereigns. We think that we're God. Like what are the things in 2022 that you just need to throw off? Like a, a big part about growing by the Spirit is us being very serious about sin. It's us throwing off and pointing to death at the things that cause us to stumble. It's the things in your life that have a negative impact in regard to your love for God, your relationship with Him. Um, and they're the things that we just need to throw off. Like it doesn't have to be something overtly sinful. Like the author that says, everything that hinders. So it's, it's a broad list, and it's a broad list on purpose. Like for me, I remember when I first became a Christian, um, back when I was 18, the clubs were hard for me. Like I was going out clubbing every weekend, and... It was over the span of a couple months and from people just speaking to me and just general conviction that I was like, hey, this isn't helpful for me. Like, this isn't stirring my affections for Jesus. This is just me leaning into my drunkenness or other sinful things that I was desiring. And the Spirit used those people around me to say, hey, you don't go that way anymore. Like, this isn't who you are. You don't live there anymore. Not that, that anything else was overtly sinful, but it wasn't helpful in me running the race and making it across the finish line in my pursuit of wanting to become more and more like Jesus. So what, what is it for you? What are the things that are entangling you? For some, it might be the things that might hinder you might be sleeping, maybe not getting enough sleep. And you're more grumpy the next day, you don't speak to people nicely, you make worse decisions. Maybe for you, it, um, it's like what you eat what you're putting in your body isn't giving you the energy or just not helping you in your pursuit of Jesus. Maybe it's you don't Sabbath well. You don't rest well. You're just working too hard. You're struggling to find that balance between work and, and home. 
work and rest. Maybe it's what you watch or listen to. Maybe it's the accounts you follow on Instagram. Maybe it's just Instagram or social media in general. You're spending too much time on Instagram. You don't find you have time for God's people or for His Word. Maybe you just need to put a cap on it. As followers of Jesus, we need to be more serious about pursuing holiness. We need to be more serious about throwing off the sin that hinders us and fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We need to be praying that the Holy Spirit just refines us and shapes us to be more like Jesus. Through His Word, through community. And it's going to be hard. There's going to be times where we just feel like we're not making any progress. We just feel like we're just stuck on the same point on the spiritual mountainside. And so many times we just feel like we've made a lot of progress. Hey, this sin that I was really struggling with, that's not as big an issue for me. Still to keep an eye on it, but man, I'm not, I'm not falling into that as much anymore. And there'll be times where we feel like that and then sin will rear its ugly heads and we might stumble. And it's in those moments that when I stumble, I remember the words of before the throne of God above. Someone just said it to me once and it's just stuck with me. And it goes like this. Just really think about these lyrics. It says, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and I see him there who put an end to all my sin. Because a sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Jesus and pardon me. I can remember that God loves you despite your sin. That He loves you, church. And let us be a people who relentlessly pursue holiness in 2022 as we seek to become more and more like Jesus. Let us let 2022 be the year that maybe you dive back in. Maybe you haven't actively been thinking about, hey, how can I be more like Jesus in my everyday life? Maybe 2022 is a year that you jump in. And maybe for some of us here today or some of us watching online, 2022 is a year that you start following Jesus. Maybe it's a year that you're like, hey, I'm just encapsulated and enamored by this Jesus. I just want to be more like Him. What does that look like? Who is He? Let 2022 be the year that we lean into the most important goal of our lives which is to grow in our relationship with our Saviour and to be more and more like Him as we seek to, in the long obedience in the same direction, as we stumble and trip up, knowing that we're loved by God, let it be the year that we seek to become more like Jesus and do that consciously. I'm going to pray. Father, thank You for Jesus. Father, thank You that we can all stand here before you today knowing that we are loved, knowing that we are washed by His blood. Father, that we are, we are precious to you, that we are made right by His blood. Father, I pray that for those of us here in the room today and those of us watching online, I pray that 2022 can be a year that we just grow in our love for you, but Father, help it be a year that we just seek to grow to be more like you. Father, I pray for those of us here in the room today who maybe for the first time, they want to follow you. 
or those of us online. Father, I pray that by your spirit, you help us be more like your son. And Father, thank you. And just remind us that when we stumble, when we fall short, there's forgiveness, there's grace, and that your opinion of us isn't based on our performance. Father, help us lean into that. Father, we love you. We're thankful for you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.